You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Ryan, good day, sir. And a good day to you. <laughs> I feel off, man. I feel off. Uh, Halloween's around the corner. I'm doing these awesome movie nights. Um, Zooming, of course, with my Zoom friends, my horror friends. So we've been watching a lot of horror movies. We've got a new poster, The Thing poster, signed Pretty by rad. Kurt Russell. I'm a nerd, I know, and The Evil Dead, my, my buddy, my good buddy, Bruce Campbell. Hey, Rosie Pants, stay groovy or try Ash, Bruce <laughs> Campbell, Evil Dead. You never expect to do anything with your life, and uh, then you uh, start all these heroes that you, you're you working with them now, and you're... It's not that you don't feel like you don't belong. You just kind of go, hey, man, this is cool. I admire this movie. I admire your work. Uh, Bruce will be back on the podcast, too. So, that, And that's a glorious one. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Uh, I want to say uh, thank you to everybody out there. I got a sympathy card. It was from a lot of, a lot of people. I don't have to name everybody, but uh, I got a nice card from uh, some patrons of mine, and I really, really appreciate it. I mean, Kristen and Allison and Leah and... Um, yeah, so they wrote me a, a sympathy card for my sister, and that was really kind of them, and uh, I appreciate you. And also got a mug from a bunch of folks here. Look at this. Look at this nice mug here. Nice mug from my patrons. They're all on there, and um, we love you, Rosie, and I love you too. So uh, thanks for joining, patron. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Uh, just a reminder, if you enjoy this one and you're listening, uh, hopefully you'll subscribe and uh, tell your friends and all that stuff. Uh, announce the uh, the top winners from if I didn't do it from the stage that we do uh, live shows where I play music and we're making an album and my friend dancing so the right now we th- help me with the band title right into the show hello at inside you podcast or tweet me or Instagram me or whatever but or patronize me <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, we're still thinking of a name I think it's Rosenbaum and dancing I'd love to come up with something wittier but uh, I don't know. Top winners from uh, August, release a hall from Team Rogue Flask and Leah Stubbs. Thank you. Um, and top winners from September, Team Rogue Flask, but that was a big Raj. Raj gets a shout out. And Kristen, Keo, and Leo Stubbs. Uh, man. So I've been watching The Vow on HBO Max. If anybody's seen, I know Whitney Cummings talks about it a lot. She's obsessed with it, and a lot of people are obsessed with it. But it's about this organization nexium that became sort of this cult and there was uh sex slaves and a, a branding women and all this crazy shit horrific stuff horrific stuff and, and you didn't know a lot about it you knew no. of it but you didn't watch the documentary now it's close to me in a way because um allison mack who's on smallville who played uh, chloe who i thought was you know amazing on the show and a sweet girl and you know we didn't really hang out but uh it uh, she she was part of this organization so you know back then and you'll hear me talk to sarah just in a second but it was um when i found out about all this stuff i was sort of ignorant about it i was like nah, i don't i don't believe it it's like if somebody tells you you know I, you know your brother did this like, eh, it's my brother i don't think you're i know my brother do i um <laughs> it, it's just, it's just kind of the, the whole thing's a mess and it's a sad story but it's you know there's a lot of bravery to this mm-hmm. i think uh the people who somehow were able to get out of this and just say hell with it and be ridiculed and you know it's it's it, it, look it's you'll listen to the interview i think you're going to really learn a lot from it and um you know in no way was i ever you know am i defending allison or um i just knew her at a certain point in my life and um uh 
you know, I know that she's done a lot of bad things, you know, yeah. this is, this is what I'm, I'm gathering. <laughs> and, uh, and it's hard for me to sort of, uh, understand that. And I think I'm getting to understand it more that people do change. I think people are, you know, I, I know we talk about brainwashing and things like that, but you know, it's, I don't know. You know, when I first watched the episode, as I say to uh, Sarah, you'll hear it, but I, I felt like, wait a minute, you know, this is kind of, this is kind of a cool thing. And then also, uh, then you realize, wait a minute, this is completely fucked. But of course you got to understand that the people going into it didn't think it was fucked. They thought it was going to help them. And it was interesting. And this guy was a genius and uh, his IQ was off the charts and he had this insight that nobody else had. So I, I like to give the benefit of the doubt to people. People can always sit there and go, oh my God, you're so weak. How could you do something like that? Oh my God, those people that you I just kind of get annoyed by that because, you know, sorry that uh, we're not as strong as you or people aren't as strong as you or maybe they are. Yeah. I mean, there's some really bright people that got involved in this. And um, I don't think if, you know, if they knew for a second that it was so bad, what the guy did and what he was capable of doing, and he was a master manipulator. So this is just a really interesting story. And, you know, not only did Sarah come on the podcast, but her husband, Nippy, uh, Nippy was there and he talked to me for a minute and, um, get some really interesting stuff. And, uh, I, 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 maybe one day Allison will, will, will talk to me about this. I don't know. I just, I think that sometimes, you know, you think, you know, people, it's like, you know, when you were in high school, mm-hmm. Ryan, Oh yeah. do you remember people that you were like bad or good? You're like, yeah. that guy's an asshole. Well, yeah. you know, 30 years later, you can't go, I hate that guy. I bet he's not that guy. Yeah. There's a good chance, uh-huh. or maybe he is, but on the um, the converse of that is maybe you met somebody there that was really sweet and you liked them, and now you're like you have nothing in common. They are not that person. I don't know. Is, is that the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can think of a couple people. You want to name them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for instance, if if you found out all of a sudden a year later you didn't hear from me, and then you found out I went to prison for being a mass murderer. <laughs> be like you have nowhere to hide bodies yeah they're all filled with posters here the whole house so i don't i really don't have any room for any bodies but i mean i think something tells me you gotta know the people you're hanging around with you got it but sometimes you just don't Uh sometimes you just don't know the darkest deepest secrets i wonder if jeffrey dahmer and by the way i'm not this isn't not an analogy but maybe it is it's a bad analogy but the people who hung out with jeffrey dahmer they might say it was a little weird he was a little but that I think he was like dissecting like animals and, you know, people and cutting off their heads and keeping them in the, no, his father had no clue. Yeah. I mean, maybe there were signs, but you, you don't look at him because you're like, oh, there's no way this is Jeff. This is old Jeff with two F's. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. I, what I'm trying to say is I never really knew Allison. I thought she was sweet. She was easy to work with. She was talented. Um, and then you hear this and you're like, wow. But then I think I didn't really hang out with her a lot. I didn't really know her. Um, I always knew she needed attention like every other actor, like myself. Uh, you know, there were some things, but never in a million years. So it tells me a lot of things. It tells me that uh, people can be manipulated. It depends, you know, your vulnerability. How vulnerable are you? How How much do you want somebody to save you, take you in, protect you, give you confidence, make you love yourself, and at what cost? 
I don't know. This is, uh, let's get inside of Sarah Edmondson. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll see, I'll also right. grab some tissue because I, I, I have a feeling there might be tears. I just could have. Well, listen, you, I just, here's what I would like to say. Okay. This interview is, look, when I speak to people, it's always, whether I like it or not, in layman's terms, because that's how I speak, okay? <laughs> and I don't want to talk above people thinking they know everything about this, and this is sort of to educate people about, like, this story and your story. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about we start throwing names out and this and that, but I think it's like, you know, people are listening going, I don't know who Sarah Edmondson is. I think it's really important that, you know, your story and, and who you are and where you come from. So the way I want to present this is just really talk about you for a minute before we get into, you ever watch like horror movies and you're like, cause this is kind of a horror movie in a way, right? It is. Yeah. It's definitely a horror movie. Yeah, cause you watch one in the few, you know, if you, you never like the characters in the beginning, you're just like, you just, you watch the, you watch everybody getting killed. You're like, I don't care about anybody. So you have a really, you know, it's just an interesting story and you're such a likable person. That it's like before we get into some of the stuff that went on, it's like I want to I want to want to talk about you for a second and like uh, I mean because you're from Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I'm from Vancouver. I'm here right now. Where do we meet? Do we meet? I feel like we met. I I don't know. You know I don't think we. I feel like our paths may have crossed when you were here doing Smallville. Right. That's um, that's what I was thinking. In like the early 2000s, but I I remember when you did the movie in Germany with Jamie. Ah, uh, that's right. Years ago. Very many years 20 ago. 20 years ago. So, I mean, yeah. I knew who you were, but you probably didn't know who I was, but you know. That's probably, I must have seen a picture or something, but we were probably Maybe. following each other for years, I guess, on Twitter and didn't even know it. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I kind of put it together. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like, I mean, our, so many interwoven times where we either could have met and, and, um, yeah, well, well, we'll see what transpires. Yes, we will. I mean, so... <laughs> and also, by the way, it is a yeah. horror movie, but I can laugh. Like, I have to laugh. Oh, so please. Don't, don't, don't worry about, like, I'm not that sensitive. Like, you can ask me anything or whatever, like... Yeah, no, no. And I think anybody who knows me knows that I will ask anything, but like, it's, <laughs> it doesn't come out of like, you know, an interrogation. It's more like, I'm just curious. And like, I feel yeah. like, you know, I'm a fly on the wall and... You know, and, and by the way, I was going to, I was working with Allison, Allison yeah. Mack, who was on Smallville with me. And, uh, she was, I think doing this while I still on the show, obviously. Yeah. So I, you know, we can get into that, but before yes. we get into that, because she ended up being one of the, I don't would you say the heads? What would you call it? The, she was definitely one of the key leaders of the Nexium. Of the Nexium and then and the dark stuff that was in the underbelly that we all discovered, which made headlines. Right, which is believe me, shocking to me too, coming yes. from someone who worked with her and seeing this kind, you know, you know, innocent girl Absolutely. turn into a woman, and then like, whoa, wait, what? We'll get into yeah. that. So beforehand, yeah. so you were raised in Vancouver, and you were you like you had a pretty good relationship with your family. They were always supportive. What was that about? Yeah, I mean, my I've had a really wonderful, easy kind of vanilla upbringing. My parents, um, 
are both very politically, socially active. They really taught me, like in the 80s, my dad would take me on peace rallies and we'd, you know, my dad's a folk singer as well as a counselor, but he's also a folk singer. And, you know, we'd be marching and singing for, you know, the things that we believed in. And that was always a big part of my upbringing, like make a difference and, and, and stand up for what's right. Didn't realize how much that would be in like interwoven into my like value system until later. Um, but yeah, my parents split up when I was two and a half, which I think um, kind of, since we're doing the, you know, personal stuff, I'll tell you that I think that at a very core level, if you're going to psychoanalyze myself, I never, I was always sort of looking for safety and fitting in. And I didn't really fit in very much during like elementary school and high school. I was bullied a little bit. It's kind of a nerd. Um, and I and was like looking for my my tribe, my people. I, I wouldn't have called it tribe because that's sort of a, a word of now. <laughs> right, right. But your clique in a way, some a group of people yeah. that you can relate to. And I think yeah. we all do that, right? I remember I didn't fit in anywhere in high school. I was the smallest kid in high school. I, I get it. And I just yeah. wanted to belong to something. And then you go to college and you start to meet a couple of people that you're like, oh, oh, they kind of get me or, and you yeah. figure it out and you start, and most people just go on through life and then they find their people. Right. So, exactly. but it's that quest. Yeah. It's a quest. And I think I originally found it in my, in high school with the, like, I was a bit of a theater nerd. So I was in like the theater program and that's where I started acting. And then I went to, um, a Jewish summer camp where I really felt like accepted. And um, so I kind of joke that maybe that was my first cult because it was a little bit, a little bit, there's a little bit of dogma there that was, uh, you know, kind of thrust upon us. And ultimately I think I rejected a lot of that, but I love the sense of community and that and camaraderie and acceptance. And I was, you know, such a nerd. I look back at those pictures when I was 12 and I had like big red glasses and I like put, I was kind of a hippie too, like with braids in my hair and like Doc Martens and a big yin yang sweatshirt. And like, you know, like it's, it, it was, it was a, it was a look for sure, but it was the nineties. Right. So but then just you, trying to do my best. Yeah. But then you started like, so you started acting and this and that, and I, you know, you got some roles. It wasn't like you were a unemployed actor who just never worked. You actually had some success. You were on, you did Fringe. You did uh, the show that uh, one of my other cast members was in uh, called Edgemont. You did Edgemont. You did. Yes. I mean, you did a yeah, lot of things. You were working. Yeah. So ultimately, I mean, did you feel, I mean, because you weren't married before, right? Before you met. No, your- no. I was in a different relationship at the time. And with my relationship and my career, I just felt like, I don't know, I think like a lot of people do in their mid-20s. I was like 25, 26, 27. It's like, what's, is this like? is this my purpose? You like beer commercials and, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm doing now at 48. I'm, I'm still, I think we're, it's a constant doing a beer commercial. No, I'm not doing a beer commercial. Not that I wouldn't. I'm just saying, I think I'm all, you were all out there trying to find purpose and, and you hate to sound yeah. so cliche, but it's like, that's what we, as humans, we are trying to find our purpose. Like, what are we here for? What can I do to feel more fulfilled, feel good about myself? I think that's all part of humanity. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think those two main things, looking for belonging, looking for my tribe and looking for like, okay, what, what am I here to do? And I really felt like, yeah, I was a working actor, but I was like, there's more. And I always like, since I was little, I, I think I had a vision of like at one point in my life, I'm going to have a certain, whether it's celebrity or platform to have a voice and have an impact. And at that point I thought it was it's really ironic for young women because I had such a hard time in high school that I was like, if I could just help 
women with their self-esteem, well, girls, I guess, before they became women, where I didn't even, I didn't know what exactly, but I was like, I'm going to have a voice. Like, and, and acting was not it. So when I got introduced to ESP, which everyone knows is Nexium, it was like, oh my goodness, maybe this is my, my tribe. Maybe these are my people. Right. And so I, what, how did, so how did this happen? How old you're 25, 26, and you just is it on a bulletin board? Does someone, because I think, well, it's Mark. Mark yeah. kind of brought you in, right, Mark? Yeah. How did you become yeah. friends with Mark who directed a movie, a documentary, who was, which was a big documentary called What the Bleep Do We Know, correct? Yes, and What Mar the Bleep. What the Bleep so, it's called, not What the Bleep Do We Know. Just What the Bleep. I, we just, I actually just call it Bleep. Just Bleep. <laughs> no, and, we bleep. So how did you meet him and then how did this all happen? So, and I still have to get you a copy of the book because it goes into much more detail about Scarred. this time in my life. Scarred is the book. Scarred, yeah. yeah, the book is scarred, and it, and it goes into a lot more detail than the vow, especially about this part of my life, which was, I think, you know, not very long, but it was a real quest. I'd, I'd watch with the bleep, I'd read things like The Artist's Way, um, Celestine Prophecy. It was in the beginning of my, like, spiritual journey. <sighs> I've done that, And yeah. we, we watched with the bleep, or bleep, and we loved it, and then uh, my boyfriend at the time, who was a filmmaker, <laughs> got us into a film festival where he was, like, you know, uh, as a director. And I said, I'm coming with you because it was called the Spiritual Cinema Circle Festival at Sea. This doesn't right. exist anymore. It's run by an amazing man named Stephen Simon who uh, directed What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. Right. Just this really great guy. Anyway, it's a long story, but the long and short of it is the very first night they sat me down with the director of What the Bleep, like assigned seating. And... Uh, we had a conversation that uh, changed my, the trajectory of my life. And, and he told me about Nexium. And ultimately, I never Googled it. I never, you know, checked into it. I was just like, well, I like him. I like what the bleep. And he's telling me about this group of people that are working together to shift humanity. Like, this is it. I was looking for my purpose and it landed in my lap. This must be my purpose. Right. You so. just felt like it was just because he seems like a magnetic person. Like, there's this magnetism to Mark. He seems like just a genuine guy who's trying to do the right thing now obviously yeah. he gets as we know as we soon will learn listeners yeah. who haven't that and you could watch the vow on hbo max and you could also read yeah. scarred um sarah's book Thank you. but he is definitely he's got that charisma and you're like what a talent he's a filmmaker he makes something that really makes me think i don't need to read you know sometimes when people that are just very influential or that you like or you just innately trust right away tell you something you kind of just go well, I don't need to do the research I trust this person right we do that yeah and that's what you did absolutely and it just happened like I, I went on that cruise specifically asking for like a sign for what is my purpose like what's next in my life I'm going to be around all these spiritual people right. making movies and like I've you know Mark and I talked at that cruise like we're going to make movies we're going to make media that shift consciousness like what the bleep I don't want to do beer commercials anymore. I don't want to do vampire TV shows. No offense to my friends who do vampire TV shows. There's a lot of them, and some of them are great. But I want to shift consciousness, you know? Right. And it's really idealistic. I'm aware of that. Like, I kind of have to – I judge myself a little bit for that. But the irony is not lost on me that here we are making the vow. Cut to – and I'll, we'll go back to that in a moment. But, like, the vow is really teaching people – how groups like this exist and how they work and how they get people and how they rope them in. And I feel like, I mean, obviously it's not the path I wanted to go on, but we're educating people, you know, we're, we're really teaching people how this, how this happens. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that means a lot to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I wanted to say this because I wanted to be honest about it. When I'm watching The Vow, when I watched the first episode, and believe it or not, even though I I knew Allison, I didn't really follow up on all this stuff. I knew about it. I was like, wow, I kind of believe it, but I don't believe it. How did that happen? There's got to be some reasons. I don't know. I just never, we're not really that educated until someone makes a documentary that sort of uh, really dives into it. And then you're willing to take the time to go, holy shit, this is what (laughs) happened. Because- Let me just say this. I watched the first episode of The Vow and I was by myself and I'm not going to lie. I said to myself, I go, I do this. <laughs> I, I, no, I go, I would this. I, I, I need some more self-esteem. I need more confidence. I would like to have more of a purpose. And then by the end of episode two, I was like, fuck off. <laughs> what the fuck? This is, you know, and so now my point is. <laughs> That we're all vulnerable to some extent. Yeah. And there I was, like, if I, I'm sure if I would have met somebody, go, oh, wow, these are great people. This is cool. This is the guy who directed that. And he must be, these are, and they're helping people out. And they're, they're I, I could understand why people get into it. And then, of course, like, look, if you, obviously, if you take out the, uh, the Keith Ranieri, who is, as he, as he calls himself, the vanguard, if you take him out of the equation of all the sex stuff and the bullshit, which we'll get to, the slavery and all that sex slavery. But if you just got rid of that stuff, I mean, there's a lot of good to it in yeah. a way. It's just people become, I think they have the Messiah complex. They have this bigger than and this power. I don't know what we can get into that, but when you, that your first day on, when you went to a Nexium meeting, it's called, it was a Nexium meeting. Is that what it was? It was a, it was a five day, uh, five days, like a seminar workshop, but before, Bookmark that for one second, because yeah, yeah, I just have to tell you how, I mean, just how great that is that you had that reaction, because up until now, so many people are like, I've never fall for that, and these people are dumb, and blah, 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 and to have, to, to know that people, and I'm telling you, people are Instagram messaging me, I totally would have joined. In fact, some people have said, listen, um, where can I get some of these tools? Like, this sounds great. Does it exist anywhere else? Can you help me? Like, I want those things. My friends have asked that. They've been like, you know, if you take all the crazy shit out from the beginning before we get there, yeah. there's some, the intention seems like, the intent seems like, hey, these people just want to get better and 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 yeah. just be, be better human beings, which is a exactly. great idea. It just kind of falls apart. It's but, a great idea. In fact, Nippy, my husband, I know you know him from the show. I heard him he cough were- a few minutes ago. Hi, Nippy. He's just over there. <laughs> Hey, Nappy, good to see you or hear you. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, man. He just has a little bit of, little bit of FOMO. Oh, that, yeah, well, he could, he could join at any time. We, we'll, join at any time. We'll man. bring him in he down the road might. if he wants to, whatever. There, sometimes when we're doing this, he's like, there's certain things that he likes to riff on that he's really good at riffing on. So I might bring him in as no, a, a special guest. Honestly, <laughs> Nippy, you feel free to jump in whenever you want. This is just an open platform. <laughs> you know, honestly, it's just, we're just, tr- I'm trying to, and the listeners is just trying to get to understand how someone could get in, into this, which I just talked about by watching the first yeah. episode. So you did this five day seminar, five day. and you were you were you were blown away. No, not at first. the The first three days, I was very skeptical. Um, it was really cheesy. Like the whole presentation was very like early nineties, and I just like Nancy you know, Salzman. She's getting up there, and she's kind of just like you're going. It was on a video that they played. And I'm like, I'm paying over $2,000 to watch the president of the company speak on a video in this cheesy holiday inn in Burnaby. Like, <laughs> By the way, Burnaby, Burnaby is like, yeah, Burnaby, Burnaby. That's where yeah, we, yeah. Suburb, you know, that, I mean, Burnaby's great, but like not this part of Burnaby. 
It's called Burnaby. It was very, I was just judgy and, um, you know, I was very much like my parents are therapists. What are you going to, what are you going to do for me here? And kind of like <laughs> ushering in, like, this is more for my boyfriend than for me kind of, kind of thing, like fix him. Um, and actually on day one, I was so turned off by the calling Keith Vanguard and, and the sashes. I called Mark Vicente and, and actually Googled for the first time on day one. And there was stuff about them being a cult, but not nearly the stuff you can find online now. There wasn't any particular, like, what was really bad about it wasn't clear. It was just like, they're culty. I'm like, okay, but what, what, what's, what's, what's the bad thing that they're doing? Wasn't there. But I said to Mark, like, this is, what did you get me into? And he's like, do you believe everything you read on the internet? And I was like, no. He's like, well, you know, have your own experience. Wait till day three and see how you, you know, how you do. Um, that was one thing that happened. But the other thing that's really important for me to educate people on is that they said to me like right from the beginning like okay we're all here to grow and learn and be the kind of people we want to be everyone agreed that that might be uncomfortable at times you know and everyone's like nodding yes yes of course when you're when you hit those things those areas of, of discomfort you're going to have the urge to bolt to leave and we're just asking you like if you're really here to you know get your money's worth to stick through those those moments and know that there's something for you to look at if you if you hit one of those things for example sashes we wear these sashes around our neck that was super cheesy didn't like it um and then that would mean you have an, an issue with like measurement or like there's a ranking system so you have an issue with authority which may or may not be true you know um or calling keith vanguard why do you have a problem with that like which if you were in the in the court system would you call the, the your honor bob because you don't want to use the term <laughs> you know hey bob right 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 right, right. So like every single thing that was weird had a an answer and if you had a problem with it it pointed to a thing within yourself so I kind of learned to go like okay I'm uncomfortable which means I've got something now this is like I trusted Mark and I trusted the system a lot of not a lot of people but maybe one in 30 would come take our training and they'd be like no especially if they'd grown up in say another high control group like Jehovah's Witness or you know uh, or an extremely religious um, background or whatever they'd be like I've, I've been there, done that. You said one in 30 would say no, but you're saying the, the percentage of people that would come in and go to these seminars, once they were there, most of them were in. Most of them were in, but I'd say almost every training we did, there'd maybe be one person on day one that had such an extreme reaction to either the sashes or the Vanguard or something that they were like, I'm out. And then they were out. And we And Keith actually said that all of those things were what he called the guardian at the gates. So somebody had such a reaction to that and meant we didn't want them in there because they were suppressive. Suppressive. Ah, yes. So like you learn to, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to voice anything about being uncomfortable with this because it's just going to expose that like, maybe I'm suppressive. Right. Right. So that base assumption that if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to, override that is one of the most dangerous things that they did. And I think Keith knew that to systematically dismantle intuition. So your gut, he was getting rid of your gut, so to speak. Yeah. And saying, because here's the thing, your gut, there, there is truth in the fact that I could have a, a feeling that might not be right. Like I could meet you and maybe like your eyebrows reminded me of somebody that hurt me like 10 years ago and it triggers me. And that's not based on any kind of reality. Right. right. So that happens. But there's also truth to say, if my body's saying F out, I should listen to that. Right. So he screwed with that ability to, to have a moral compass. 
And you think that was his agenda all along yes. to sort of yeah. get rid of your gut response and make yeah. you fo- go past that. So you stay yeah. with it. Yes. To not trust yourself, your own yes. intuition. Yes. That's to com- make somebody else the authority. Wow. That's, that's for lack of a better word, that's, that's fucked. Right. But it, it you know, maybe at that time it's like, you're seeking all these things, this, these, this confidence. What was it that in that five day seminar, was there a moment where you're like, I feel like I should do this. This is going to help. Yeah. Me. What was that moment? There was a couple and Mark was right. Day th- by day three, I was sold. Um, I had a number of big shifts and I do think is, you know, even though I believe Keith is a sociopath and a narcissist and all those things he is brilliant. And he repackaged uh, a whole bunch of therapeutic models into one five day. So some cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, um, basic Buddhist beliefs about happiness and where happiness comes from, which is, I'm sure you've heard by now, it's an inside job, you know, <laughs> nothing yeah. from the outside yeah. world. Will Money, really make- happy. No, no. Yeah. Car, I mean, no. They're great. But- yeah. So he, he, he cobbled these things together. And, you know, if you've, you've done, anyone's done therapy, you know, you, you usually go like once a week, if that, right. That's an hour a week. Imagine doing, 15 hours, 12 to 15 hours, five days in a row. You're just like working through stuff, working through stuff, working through stuff and having these huge awarenesses about like, you know, my relationship to money, my relationship to acting, my, my relationship to like what my values are. And, and this exercise where like you write down all your values and what's most important to you. So you can make, I had a really hard time making decisions before ESP. I'd be like, should I do this or should I do that? Should I do this job or that job? Should I wear this or this? Like I just, I was a nightmare to those around me. So now I had this like decision-making tool, which really helped me. And ESP was, it's, it's the name before Nexium, right? Yeah. That's so that's executive success programs, right? That, that's what you I, went to an executive success yeah. program, which ultimately yeah. is Nexium, which became Nexium. Uh, yeah. Nexium wasn't even a word that was on my radar till much later. Right. So Nexium was right. a parent company and ESP executive success program was like a subset of that. Right. That's what the training was that I did. Yeah. I just want to let um, people know that. And, yes, and I, I, not ESP, like do, 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 yeah, not yeah. that kind of <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, but I'd say my big, you know, I had a couple big ahas, but my my biggest was about my my relationship to my self-esteem and why I didn't feel good with, within myself as a person. Um, and then on day four and five, you have what's called an EM, which I know that the vow explains really well, which is basically you bring the, the facilitator something that you react to, like something that that's a constant trigger. Um, I don't know, give me a, Give me an example of something you react to always like. Like negatively? Yeah. Like probably, uh, you know, when people aren't appreciative, just, I think when people aren't appreciative, it just, I don't expect like when you give someone, someone to say, I I don't ever respect anything in return, but just, you know, a thank you. Or mm-hmm. something, just just an appreciation. And so by, like your by, blood boils a little bit. I think it's appreciation, but it's something. I think it's personal. It's like you know, I always feel like I'm a giver, so all I ask is for just love and support, and just don't be an asshole to me. And uh, <laughs> you know, and so when anybody does, I'm like, gosh, man, I feel like I give you everything, and you shit on me. I don't know. Go ahead. What's your trigger? Well, I think ultimately, knowing what I know now, I would leave that one alone because I think. That's an that's an indication of what's important to you, and it's an emotion that's that's healthy. Um, but what we worked on initially was like maybe unhealthy 
not reality-based emotions. Like the first thing I worked on at my five day, I know this is really petty, but I'd walk into my apartment and my boyfriend at the time left dishes in the sink, like not like unrinsed and not in the dishwasher, like super petty. And I would, my blood would boil and I would just be like, ah, it was hard to swear, right? Yeah. I, I, I dropped swear? like three F-bombs. Yeah. Of course. I am such a potty mouth. I'm really trying yeah, to. Yeah, you can F-bomb. It. I mean, look, you don't want to F-bomb constantly. I have a friend, Joe, who's always throwing F-bombs. I'm like, dude, Joe, I, I get it. F-bombs are all right. But like every no. time it's like people, it starts, but you're not F-bombing too. I'm, I'm trying to reel it back because I owe my son a dollar for every F-bomb and, and I've been doing this for three weeks. I owe him like almost $80. Well, it's well, really watch bad. your freaking mouth, Sarah. Watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I have this reaction dishes in the sink and I bring this to my facilitator. And what, so what an EM is, is that it, it takes something, a stimulus response, like dishes, anger, and people can relate to like, you know, confrontation, anger or um, criticism, fear, like whatever, whatever is a consistent thing in your life that you have a negative reaction to is something that as a facilitator, we'd look at the, the, um, the memory. This is through a process of questions, similar to cognitive behavioral therapy. If you've ever done anything like that, mm-hmm. which looks at the memory underneath the, um, the initial reaction. So like for me, as a, as a kid, I had a memory of my parents splitting up at a young age and, um, for me, uh, dishes, and the facilitator would sort of elicit this, dishes caused the breakup. Like, I remember them fighting, and then they broke up. So the dishes is linked to this, like, terrible time in my life, and I'm two and a half, and my parents split up, which was very traumatic. Mm. So as an adult now, I'm, like, gearing up for this scary thing to happen, but I'm not conscious of it. So what an EM did was it looked at the early childhood belief system underneath whatever was causing the reaction and kind of reframed it in a way like the facilitator would say something like, what if dishes didn't cause your parents to split up? So they'd insert new information that would shift the whole meaning. So then me as an adult can go and see the dishes and I don't have a freak out. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. So that's what I had. I had one of those and it was profound for me. I know it sounds really Does it get, were, were you really emotional when you get these breakthroughs? Do you yes. feel like you're like, you were constantly emotional. Like they were, it was this, you know, it was cathartic to get all these things out and understand why you're doing different behaviors. Yeah. In the five day, I say I probably like I cried multiple times, laughed, cried. Oftentimes it'd be like, wow, I can't believe I went through my whole life without understanding that, um, about myself or about people. Um, and, uh, oh, Baby's awake. We were losing Nippy to put the baby back to sleep. Thanks. Way to go, Nip. Good thing he's here. (laughs) Awesome husband. Um, Lost my train of thought. Well, you were just saying that you you cried, you laughed within this five day period, just going through all these things about your life, and um, you know the, the the dishes weren't. You know, you got you had to take away the dishes in terms of like relating it to like this isn't why your parents broke up, and this is yes. sort of yes. So I get that. So you were in, and what was the next step ultimately? They were like asking you to do what? The next step, well, the five. As soon as I'd done the five day, and the facilitator would start weaving this in through the through the curriculum, she's like, "Well, we don't get into X Y Z until the eleven day." So the five day was really uh. the beginning of a sixteen day training, and I was just doing the beginning. And she even said something like, imagine that you have cancer and they've, you know, going in for surgery, the five days really just prepping your body for the surgery. We haven't extracted the cancer yet. So now I'm like, I got to extract the cancer. And <laughs> I have to keep going. And it, by the way, it's how much more money to get to oh, grow the um, cancer here? About 5,000. 
for the next 11 days. So yeah. you went 2000 and then another 5000 look at $7,000 to get to. But it, apparently some shit goes down. We were like, wow, that's the best $7,000. You know, it's funny because I went to a place a while back just to get my head straight. And it was yeah. a lot of money. And my buddy goes, what's the most important asset you have? I go, I don't know, my house maybe? I don't know, my this? And it was like, no, dude, you. So no matter how much money you put in yourself, that's the most important part. So you were probably thinking, this is they were probably throwing that at you, weren't they? Oh, yeah. This is your health. This is you. This is the most important thing. Forget everything else. That will come. Yeah. I mean, they said that to me, and then I said it to others for years after that. It's like everything else is an effect of who, how you are with you. You know, and I, I was, I uh, listened to the, the interview you did with Jennifer Love, which I thought was great and made me cry, by the way, multiple times, but she was saying something about the life that she tries to live, uh, live with, you know, joy and a certain way with her children. And I was like, she could have been doing an ad for ESP right there. Cause that's really what it like almost word for word, how I want it to be. But there's things that get in the way, like there's the ideal version of yourself and then there's how you are. Right. And ESP helps you get there. This is what this is how it's pitched. Like anything, like how much would you spend to have this? It's a no-brainer. If you believe that, it's a no-brainer. Right. And Knowing what yeah. we know now, it's embarrassing. But at the time, it was like, of course, I'm going to spend that money. I didn't have it. I just put it on my credit card. Well, yes. Yeah, so you didn't have the money. Did you tell your parents about this? I did, and they were very, very skeptical. And um, you know, my my mom took the stance of you know, she actually came with me to take, originally to take the trainings just to be closer to me and see what I was so passionate about. But she, she caught on to who Keith was like right away. How soon? Right away. I mean, nobody really knows what we found out like at the end, but she could tell that he was a megalomaniac and that, you know, she was just concerned that, you know, any, any group that says it's the way, and we, we really did think it was the way and like the only way to be joyful and have the life that you want you know, want it. We really did. I was so self-righteous about that. Which but is, your mom said, you got to get out of this. You can't do this. She didn't do that because she was just a therapist. She knew that groups like this, if she was really forceful with me, that I would push her away. And she was, was she right? Yeah, she was right. Yeah. And the, and the, and Nexium did a lot to uh, undermine my relationship with her and to, um, well, she's a therapist. And so in Nexium, therapy was subpar compared to what we did right therapy was you know you could talk and talk and talk it's not going to get to the root of the issue like an em would right so i really right. had a had a huge disrespect for therapists and any modality that wasn't this which is again part of like my deprogramming is to reconcile that like just how yeah self-righteous and um and ignorant i was well how did you yeah. How did you, how did you pay for this? I know you said credit cards, but it keeps going. And so is there a point where you stop paying and you become part of the next CMN yeah. at that point? Yeah. So there was a point where, uh, after my first five day, they said, if you refer three people, you get your money back. So I did that. I referred three people like immediately because I'm always very passionate about whatever I'm doing. And then and I got you're my an money actress. Back. You could sell them. And you know what? I've always been good at sales. Like I've been good at sales since I was, I mean, I had business cards at age 12. You know, if there was this fundraiser at my school to like raise money for a new TV or whatever, I always sold the most granola bars or whatever it was because <laughs> it's just what I, I don't know. Right. I'm just gonna do it. So you did, you got three people immediately. Got three people immediately. I got my money back and then I used that for more training. So I, basically I got into 
um, there's a bunch of career paths with the Nexium and sales is one of them. And I use that to take more trainings. So I just kept taking more and more trainings and more and more trainings and more and more trainings. And you felt like you were starting to just become more confident, finding out who you were. And do you think now, retrospectively, you were losing yourself at the same time where you just weren't aware of it? Or do you think you really had like true growth and felt like I'm feeling better than I've ever felt? Like, where did it stop? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a great question. No one's asked me that. Um, I feel like it was a bit of both. It was, I was having true growth because like I said, Keith was really good at stealing awesome methods from other places, Right. you know, like, and I, and I can tell you now that I'm out of it, looking at other books that exist, where he stole from and how he did that. But anyway, I was having real growth, but I was losing myself in the mission of the company to the point where I was like, you know, there was a time when I was starting to get more acting and I did a film that got into TIFF and that was really incredible. It was like four years in. And then there's a certain point where I started to feel badly for choosing acting over ESP. Like it, there, I had to make a choice. Like what's the most important thing? And I was like, what is this film going to do versus like, I'm, you know, saving humanity. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, so that's where I lost that's myself. Cause you felt like you were really, truly helping people. And you're like, this is my yeah. purpose. This is more important than acting. Now, were they also at this point giving you a salary or like you getting paid after it took me four years to get to the point where I could get a salary. I had to get to the level of what's called proctor. So it's an orange sash where you're an official coach. And, and a lot of people don't even make it there. And that's one of the things that, um, you know, eventually woke me up, cut, you know, cut to many years later, I realized that um, it was, well, Keith actually told me this. It's a, a chapter in my book. It's called the illusion of hope. He was really painting this illusion for people trying to get up the stripe path and holding out this vision. But really it was, I mean, the whole thing was a sham. Um, so a lot of people never earned an income and a lot of people put, invested a lot of money trying to like get to this level. And I think because I'm kind of, um, I mean, I'm a bit competitive, but I'm a go-getter and I'm a doer. Like I don't sit still very easily. Like I, it's hard for me to meditate or just be with myself. I like to just do, 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 build, right. build, build. And they, I was like a poster child for them because I went from like, basement suite actress, you know, aspiring actress to like a superstar within the company. I say company loosely, but we thought it was a company back then. Right. Well, but they were honestly paying you like good money. At a point. Yeah. In the middle, in, in the middle chunk, my, like I'd say three or four years, I was making pretty good money, really good money, actually. Like what's good money without, I mean, is it in your, is it in your book? It's in my book, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's so weird because people take it out of context and they forget that I have to pay taxes you know, and so. well, I'm just like, it's a substantial amount of money that you like yeah. you work towards a year after year working your ass off and they yeah, saw the so. drive. And like any other company, if you see someone yeah. working that hard, you give them bonuses and bonuses. And so you yeah. start making look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's yeah. I, you know, it was anywhere between like, I remember when I was in the, in like 2011, 12 era, like in my middle chunk, it declined after this because some messed up things that happened. I'll tell you about later. But for a couple of years, it was anywhere between like five. I remember a couple of months I had got like a check for 20,000 and it was huge. It was more than I ever made in acting. And, and you, were, like, you were broke before this and here you are making this. Broke, making good money. And then, I mean, granted, a huge amount of that went back. Like we did the Jeunesse training, which is this women, uh, the women's thing that, that, I, that Allison got involved in. That, was, that training itself was $15,000. Like the trainings themselves got more expensive and you you had to commit more. And uh, Mark and I at this point had opened a center in Vancouver 
And so we were paying like my rent for that was eight grand a month. So it was like, yes, I was making good money, but I feel, felt like I still was like on the hamster wheel. You know right, I mean? right, right. Yeah, because I remember you saying, or, or maybe it was Bonnie, who's also one of the women who was an actress who got involved in this, that she, like, it was never the right time. And she's busting her ass and working hard to get to that next level. And they're like, yeah, you're just not ready. You're just not Or was that you? Both of us had that. I think she articulated it really well. And they showed, like, the lifestyle we were leading. It wasn't like I was just sitting back and, and cashing in checks. Like, we were morning to night working with people, coaching people, practicing REMs, going to trainings. I worked my ass off. Um, and it, and it was always like, you know, to get to the next level. Yeah. You just haven't worked this. Mm, you just got to. And I believed it. I was like, Oh, I, really, I want, I want to be better, you know? And there were many times I wanted to quit along the way, but at, at a certain point there's the sunken cost fallacy. Like I had invested so much. I had right. a five-year lease at our center downtown Vancouver. I'm like pointing at it. Um, <laughs> and who is your boss? Like, I mean, it's obviously Keith is the vanguard, but then you have yeah. Nancy who's below him. Who's like, you have, who do you report to? I mean, I reported a lot to Mark, but he was, he was more of my business partner and friend. Um, I didn't have a very close relationship to Keith. In fact, like the way that people idolize him or adored him, I had that more with Nancy and with Lauren. Um, they were the people that I really like. I mean, at different points, I probably checked in with different people depending on my rank in the company, which obviously changed over 12 years. But um, right, Lauren, Lauren, Lauren Salzman, Nancy Salzman. Salzman. So there, sorry, yeah, she's the daughter of Nancy Salzman. Right, and she was the and Nancy was the one that's on the TV and the in the first time you went yeah. there, and she's selling this. You're like, what the hell is this? And then ultimately, you became very close with her. Nancy's the president of the company and like the main teacher, and like I really looked up to her. I thought she was really skilled. She really helped. She felt like she really cared about people and wanted to help people. And I wanted to be like her. I wanted to be like her and Lauren. I really aspired to both of them. And why is that? Because uh, they could sit down with somebody in like 10 minutes. It felt like mind ninja them and whatever they were working on or struggling with so quickly. And I wanted—I call it like an EM ninja. I, want, I wanted to be able to help people at that level. Um, and they really, they were, they were skilled. They were skilled at the tech. I say tech, is a, that's what we call the, the, the methodology. Right. Um, I think they were just good therapists. And you met Nippy, Anthony, your husband. There. How long into it before you met him? Uh, I joined 2005. I met him in 2006, a year later. And what was it at a function? Uh... It was at the center in Albany. Um, Mark picked me up from the airport and said, there's this, this guy in from LA. It's really cute. His name's Nippy. I was like, what, what is that? <laughs> well. <laughs> and um, I showed up at the center and he, he was like doing some, he, some shtick. He had like his pants pulled up really high. He'd like cam camel towing like, <laughs> camel his balls. Yeah, we've all done that. <laughs> you pull your pants up, and it's just like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah, that's a, yeah. I don't think I mentioned that in the vow. He's gonna probably kill me that I just said. Yeah, that. but I, I like him. He sounds like a normal guy. That's what we did back he's in a college. Guy, yeah. But but he's not. He's a real. Um, he's a bit of an enigma. He's like you know this quarterback, Ivy League alpha guy, but also like super um, sensitive underneath, and like really wants to be you know, the best version of himself and has big ideal. Like, like, I think both of us were just so idealistic about having an impact on the world. And that's probably the way we connected the most. We were friends for a couple, like three or four years before, no, three years before we ever hooked up. I mean, it, it's pretty baffling when someone 
Because it's such a great idea, the thought of like, I just want to help people. Was that, was it truly altruistic? Was it truly, I just want to help people get better and make the world a better place. There wasn't any ulterior motives. At this point, you really, oh. this is the mission. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and you know, there's haters out there and people are like, oh, well, she was making good money. The money was a bonus for me. Money was like, oh my God, I'm getting paid to do this. I did it for four years without pay. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I've always been a helper, a giver, a caretaker. Like I'm the, you know, the kind of person that like will have the lozenges in my purse and be like, oh, Michael, you got a cough. Let me give you this. I got some vitamin C. You want some throat spray? Like people who know me will can attest to that. Right. To the point where it's kind of annoying. They're like, Sarah, we don't, we don't need whatever you got in your purse, <laughs> which is like huge always, by the way. So you talk about other levels. Like there was another level that Allison was going through. What was that called? Oh, Jeunesse. Jeunesse. What's Jeunesse? Yeah. So Jeunesse was like, so if you look at Nexium and then here's ESP, Jeunesse was another Branch, company underneath right, it. Right. And it was a women's group and it started around 2006. So that's what she would have been in. We had a Jeunesse, the very first Jeunesse. It's like a, a woman's, um, like a, similar to ESP, but looking at issues between men and women. And like the way it was pitched to us is, you know, what is the essence of a woman? And what is that? And how can we bring it out more in the world? And Keith would say things like the Dalai Lama said, it's going to be women who change the world. So it was all about like, you know, women, women's empowerment, which is so ironic because he was, uh, that was obviously not his intention, but he was, he was tapping into a certain trend that was happening in the world where women were starting to speak up and, you know, um, you know, whatever you want to call the new, new wave of feminism or whatever. And he, it's like he, he, he knew about that marketing, you know, right. And could, and could give that to us in such a way that we thought we were going to get it with this new Jeunesse program. And that's where, um, that's where Allison actually did Jeunesse first. Right. Now, Sarah and Claire Bronfman, Sarah, yeah. the, the Seagrams, uh, Sarah, sorry, Sarah, but they're the Seagrams heirs, right? worth billions of dollars. And then we find yeah. out that this money is how Nexium, all this stuff, they were, they were writing the checks for all this, correct? Yeah, they were, I mean, they were in before I was in, so right. how they got involved, I don't, I don't really know. But what I do know is that Keith was looking for wealth and to have, you know, heiresses like that bankrolling the company. And we've since found out that he lost a lot of their money on the commodities market. Um, and then also, Claire went off, went after people using her money as a, as a weapon in the, in the uh, legal system. I don't know if you saw the two days ago, what happened? I think I sent you the link, right? Yeah. That she went to prison for seven years for what she, what she did for Keith. She was like, are you familiar with the term flying monkey? Yes. A little bit, but go ahead. Oh yeah. So like it, narcissists often don't do a lot of their dirty work. They have other people do it for them. Like the wicked witch of the West. Exactly. See, when yeah, I sorry, say layman's terms, this is how I equate. I'm like, oh, the flying monkeys, like Wicked Yeah, Witch. that's why they call them flying monkeys. There you go. That's yeah, what I so thought. Claire, I just wanted Claire to clarify. was one of Keith's top flying monkeys. And so she would get anything he wanted, ultimately. Yeah. Whatever he needed. He had her convinced that um, protecting him legally and going after the people that were trying to attack him was, that was like her job. And she felt very, um, you know, like purposeful doing that, right. which is, 
you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's still loyalists that exist. There's like, they said there's like 60 or something that are still. I would say probably closer to 30 or 40, but there's like five who are on the front lines that are doing press right now. And um, CBS just did a piece about them and they're like dancing in front of Keith's prison, trying yeah, to shine light on the injustices of the legal system and the prison system, which I'm sure is a true thing. But that's not why they're doing it. They're trying to, you know, um, you know, shine light on Keith's victimhood, which, by the way, is my one of my main th- challenges right now. The whole dogma of ESP was that there's no victims. Like, if something happens in your life, you can look to find out your role in it, which is very, um, it can be good, right? Like, if, if you if you have a pro- if there's a problem in your life and you blame everybody else, it's a good thing to go, like, how did I participate in this? How did I cause this, right? No victims. But suddenly now Keith is a victim. He's a victim to the FBI. He's a victim to the, the system, the justice system. And now he's in jail. And he's, I'm like, like, I'm so frustrated. Sure. I want to shake these people. I want to shake them awake, but I can't. Well, ultimately, you get into this thing for growth and to help the world and to help other women and to help people. And you meet these people, these characters along the way. Nippy, who becomes your husband, who you love and trust. Mark, who kind of brought you in, um, you know, and called him my bonus husband. Your bonus husband, right. And then, of course, Barbara Boucher, which we don't have to really get into now, but she kind of became sort of a mentor to you, right? And uh, people you look up to, everything's going, you're ma- starting to make money, you're doing something that you think is good for humanity. And what was the first thing that you felt? Remember, all of a sudden, after years of not feeling your gut, your mm-hmm. gut comes back into play, ironically, and you're feeling something. What was that feeling and what was it exactly that you're like, there's something fucked here? There was a couple things happening at the same time. Um, this is way before DOS, even. People started, women who were close to Keith started to get sick from cancer and die. And oh. I thought there was something in the water first. Um, I know there was a lot of industry in that area of Albany. Um, but it also just into like, I hated going to Albany. I hated going to trainings there. I like the people, I like the trainings themselves, but I hated the whole, I felt like that was something in my intuition that I managed to, to keep away and also away from, from Keith, right. To never be too close to him. Um, so that was my first time I got really said, like, don't, then they were pushing me hard to move to Albany. Like I would, I was never going to get to the next level if I didn't move to Albany. I had to get over my materialism. And that's where the headquarters were. Yes. In Albany. In fact, Allison Mack's house was in Albany. Yes. She yeah. moved to Albany, I don't know when, a um, couple of years after, maybe four or five years after she joined. I don't know. But she was, She. I mean, she moved there. Nikki moved there. A bunch of people gave up, <coughs> excuse me, their acting careers to, to move there. Um, the other thing, this is going to sound really silly, but one of the, the first things that just pissed me off and I couldn't get over was um, at one of the Vanguard weeks, which is the, these birthday celebrations they had, which is kind of like summer camp for adults, which was really fun for many years. And then it was really not fun. But um, as a, as a high rank, <laughs> me, this is my last year there. Uh, we promoted people. And I was a, at this point I was a green sash. I was one of 12 greens in the whole company. And that was kind of a big deal. And we would present like, okay, this person's ready to get to Proctor and this person's ready and this person's ready. And Lauren said that um, her sister, Michelle, was ready to go to Proctor. Now, Michelle had been 
a coach the whole 12 years that I'd been there. Like she was a coach when I joined and then I passed her and went way past her. So like she'd been the same level the whole time. And all she needed to do to get to her orange was to enroll one person. That's all she needed. And I'd enrolled by this point, like a hundred personally and all the people You've that they enrolled a hundred people. You've recruited at least a hundred. At least. Yeah. And then the people that they'd enrolled, like in what's called my organization, it was like the, if you imagine the right, pyramid, right, the pyramid. people who enrolled people who enrolled people, there was like approximately 2000 people that started from you that came from my, right. My little family. I and, called them my, my, my family. Right. And here's this other person who just needs one. She's one. She's one. So I'm like, get it together. I even tried to help her multiple times. Cause like enrollment was not every stripe along the way, by the way, required three things, your emotional growth, like to get through your issues, um, taking certain classes and being able to teach certain classes. And then three was enrollment. So if you couldn't enroll people, you would never go up. And enrollment was super easy for me where I got stuck was the emotional things. Cause they would say, well, you're still whatever control control was my thing. Still controlling. I'm still controlling. I, don't, I think that's innate. I don't think that's something that you lose or do I think that's just a human thing that some people are a little controlling. But you work, you, you work on it. I could be controlling. I could be like, yeah, what do you do? You just kind of like, all right, I'm aware of that. Oh, look, the, the, the picture is a little crooked. Do I really need to fix it right now? I'm OCD. Let's not have control. You don't have to do that. You take control of not doing that. That's control. Yes. You've chosen yeah, not to do that. I've learned a lot. Why are my engineers going, what the fuck are you talking about, son? Are you a control freak, Michael? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think I'm a control freak, but I, I, I certainly, I, I'm setting my ways a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's fine. That's so ultimately what I came to like post Nexium is like, I'm fine the way I am. I don't need to like take all these courses and spend a lot of money and needle around in there and just like accept who I am. Right. I like things a certain way. But, but wait, but so what else? So that was part of the gut thing that you were feeling. Okay, that's not right. You don't like going oh, to Albany. I, you don't I didn't finish that story. Anyway, Lauren says to me, Michelle finally has her enrollment to get to Proctor. And I said, great, we can enroll at Proctor. It's a big, you know, promoter to Proctor. And she said, well, she doesn't have the application. People had to sign an application to go to a program, getting the app. And she said, I didn't have the app yet, but we're going to promote her anyway. I'm like, what? The app was the, 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 like the solid thing that needed. I know this sounds so stupid, but you. I, to answer your question, I was like, why are we promoting her if she doesn't have the app? After 12 years, if she doesn't have the app, then she can't, you can't, you can't promote somebody on a verbal. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking a five-day. You need the paper to prove it. That was always the thing that was needed for my entire time there. And Lauren said, well, Keith said we can promote her. I said, Keith said we can promote her? What the fuck? Like, you can't, you can't promote somebody unless they have the app. And I got, like, ver like I got upset. And I said, well, and they said to me, Sarah, Keith decides who gets promoted. There's a lot of people here getting promoted um, who aren't ready. Like we promoted you to green and you weren't totally ready. And I was like, what? I had my enrollments, but like, but you hadn't worked through X, Y, and Z, but we thought it'd be good for the whole company to see Sarah being promoted to green. Like, so I didn't earn my green sash. Anyway, it was this whole thing where I realized that the Stripe system that I invested so much into that I thought meant something meant nothing. And that people were getting promoted because Keith wanted them to. But there was, a, there was an ulterior, ulterior motive there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he, yeah. do you think it had something to do with he wanted to sleep with her, perhaps? No, I think they wanted people to, they, the morale was low in the company. And like, I think it would have been good. And also, I think it would have been good for Lauren if Michelle had grown. It's, it's, it's a complicated thing to explain the straight right. path and the promotions and all that stuff. But it was the first time that I realized that it was like not based in anything. 
And, but we, that wasn't even so bad. It was more how everyone pounced on me, all the Greens who were my friends, and basically were saying I was suppressive, I was being anti-tribute, anti-Keith, and I got in trouble for questioning Keith. I'd never questioned Keith before. And I was like, I can't question this. It doesn't make sense to me. Someone explained it to me other than Keith said. And that was the first, like, this is not right. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or you're running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. You see, to the naked eye, trains appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. A mile. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. Point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. And what is trouble? When you say you're in trouble, what does that mean? Because like, if I'm talking about something and I go, yeah, well, my friend Tom's a real asshole. Oh, you're in trouble with Tom. It was more like the meeting ended and Lauren sent this guy, Alex, who was the head of this, the center in Mexico, who was my coach. She sent him to come talk to me and to, to see if I knew what I had done and that I had a breach now with Keith and a breach with Lauren. And I would have to fill out what's called a breach form to explain what I had done and how that uh, was bad for me, was bad for the company, was bad for Keith and what I was going to do to fix it. And you're thinking, fuck, you got to be thinking, fuck you. I, oh, my God. I was I was this close to saying fuck you, but that would have been another breach form. <laughs> but it was, it was like, <laughs> It's like me working at McDonald's my freshman year in high school. It's just like. That's it. You're getting written up. You didn't, you didn't, we had to mop with an arch, you know, the arch of like the McDonald's M. So, and then dip Sorry to get off course here, but I was like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. You're getting written up. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm mopping. Maybe I'm not <laughs> mopping in the arch with the M, but I had written up for that shit and stealing Big Macs, but go ahead. No, that's like, that's exactly get, getting in trouble was basically somebody coming and telling you that you've done something bad and you had to fix it. And you just felt, I just felt like shit about myself, but I also, I don't know, like I've learned since that when you're in a cult, you have your your actual personality and then you have your cult personality. And your cult personality kind of takes over while you're in the cult. And this this part of Sarah was very obedient and very much a good girl and did all the things. But inside, I've been growing increasingly, increasingly more like, go fuck yourselves. Mm. And just taking the parts of ESP that I liked and doing that in Vancouver. I never was going to move to Albany. I was never going to do it. Like, I just... That didn't resonate with me, but I but I said that I was. I'd be like, yes, I'm coming to Albany. I'm gonna look into my visa and like, you know. Right. I was like playing the game, you know? Do you, and this part of me yeah. is getting stronger. Do you think that if you look back now, people who aren't part of this organization, do you think you kind of didn't give them as much attention or didn't care as much? And it was more of like, this is my group, these are my people, fuck everyone else, and they're beneath me. Did you feel yeah, that? I do. And I and I and I I'm still cleaning up the effects of that. People who were like, I wasn't part of the community anymore and you ignored me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You're Even right. your parents? Were you neglecting your parents or did you stay with them? Uh, I stayed pretty close with my parents, but I think like, you know, ESP was always the priority. Like I missed major family events. I missed one of my really closest friends in the world. Her, her wedding was in LA when I was 
I had to do a training and I missed it. And I, oh, like, I regret that so much. In fact, when I got out and she had a baby shower in LA, like flew down, I'm like, I'm not missing anything now. I'm here. I'm going to make this up to you. And, and she's been great. And thank God I never tried to recruit her because our relationship is clean and pure. And, and that's just what I have to focus on. But there's a lot of people who I'm sure were like, you know, hurt by that because I was, I was so insular and, and it wasn't like, it was very much like out of sight, out of mind. You know, I was working so hard. It was, I had my group and I'm like, if you're not part of this group, you're not with me. You're not part of my team. I'm here and I'm doing this and it's go, go, go. And that's been a huge part of my reconciliation leaving. It's like, you know, who do I need to make amends with on that outside? And that's probably what they were doing there. They would probably try to bring everybody in and this is your life. Let's just, they have something to do from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep. And within a couple of years, they'll have nobody else. They'll need us. It's almost like you then need each other to keep yeah. going. Was there that kind of need? Like I'm in this, I'm, did, did you feel like, you know, do you hear the word brainwashed and mm -hmm. I, it, it, you always think, come on, how can someone get brainwashed? Well, you know, working with, and I haven't really talked about this, but like working with Allison and seeing her grow up, and, uh, you know, I never really hung out with her, maybe a couple cast dinners and, you know, directed her and she was really sweet and, yeah, you know, she, girl. yeah, she was always really nice, needed attention. Who doesn't? I know I do. And, you know, there were certain things, um, but you ask yourself, how does someone just completely, it's almost like you, you're leaving your skin somewhere and you're. I, I can't explain it because knowing Allison for those years and just seeing her on set and what, you know, I never, you never imagine a million years. That's why I think I neglected sort of uh, to read about it or really get, it's like, this can't be, there's gotta be something, but you probably saw her change. I like, did. And, and when you first met her, because you know, it is, it's still hard for me to believe. I mean, there was an incident at my house um, years later. Um, still, I don't know if I was on, I don't think I was on Smallville, but she and a friend of hers and this guy said, Hey, I'm going to talk to you forever. We want to stop by. And I hadn't seen her and they walked in the house and it was almost like, I, I, I just remember I'm not being, uh, I'm not blowing this out of proportion. I'm not exaggerating at all. I remember cause my friend Ethan was here and I remember we just kind of go and I didn't, by the way, I didn't even know about this next to him or anything at this yeah. point. I mean, I remember on set once she came and she's like, Hey, you should take this class. It's really cool. And blah, blah. And I remember I said to Tom, sounds like a cult. I don't know. <laughs> and we kind of laughed, but we never thought, Oh, it's like, you know, I'm sure it's like people are looking for things. We never did it, but I never, but, I, but after that, you know, we never really heard about it. It just, she, that was what she was doing. And I never really thought about it. So years later, I don't know what year this is. I, I have to go back and I could probably figure it out, but I think it was after Smallville. She, you know, she's in the vicinity. She comes over the house and she walks in and she walked in. She was a different person. She walked in like she owned my house. Like literally she owned my wow. home. She walked in with her friends and they walked into the kitchen. I was like, Hey, she was like, Hey, how are you? And then walked into my kitchen, started bringing out pots and pans and started cooking. I go, uh, what are you guys doing? <laughs> my friend Ethan's like, what, what, what? he's like, we're hungry. We're hungry. We're, we're going to, we're going to, I remember that like it was yesterday. I, I, I got to talk to Ethan because then 
I said, after a while, I just felt uncomfortable. I was like, well, hey, guys, you know, uh, like, that's it. Come on. You know, let's, you know, let's. And I kind of asked them, like, hey, you know, you might want to leave soon. And I was kind of be nice. The guy turned almost violent. I mean, he was violent. Like, he. Who is he? I can't remember who it was, his name. I don't, because I didn't care. I just was like, who the fuck is this guy? Very angry and, like, just, I think he was on something. And he was like. And he just started kind of cursing at me and Ethan. I was like, fuck you. I'm like, all right, you know what, buddy? I don't know what this is about. You just come in. You start cooking in my house. You guys don't even say that. Why don't you guys just go? Well, I'd actually like you to get the fuck out of my house. That's what I said. And I remember I was waiting for Allison to sort of jump in and say, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. He doesn't mean this. There was nothing. It was just like, it was almost like they were zombies. That's how I remember. I'll never forget it. And I'm not saying that the, 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 this has anything to do with it. Next thing has anything to do with it. But when they left, I looked at Ethan and we were, our hearts were racing and I'm like, oh my God, I'm disgusted. I, I don't, you know, and I remember I got a text maybe a few days later. Oh, sorry about the other night or something. I don't. That's bizarre. But I'm just telling you that I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was a bad night, but it was years after I had seen her. I hadn't seen her for a long time. So I think what I'm saying is, did you, when you first met her to the time all this shit went down. What was that transformation like? What was that sort of relationship? I mean, I'm going to backtrack for one sec because you said something about brainwashing. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. a word that, that people, you know, either either you're of the mind of like, we're all brainwashed. It's just another word is indoctrinated. We're indoctrinated by society, by our parents to believe certain things. You know, commercials indoctrinate us. We It's, 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 hap- it's not a matter of whether we're brainwashed or not, just how brainwashed are you? Right. That's one belief, right? Right. I didn't understand how this worked until I left. Quick plug for a book that really helped me understand. It's called Combating Cult Mind Control by Stephen Hassan. And it explains how in a seminar, you can be indoctrinated, especially in three days. That's why by day three, they had me. Their hooks were in me. And it, and it goes step by step. And I'm not an expert. I, got, I can't even begin to try to explain what he explains in this book. But if people want to understand better, that happens. But for somebody like Allison, and and keep in mind, I was there for some things. I wasn't there for other things. I can only, I'm kind of hypothesizing what happened with her, you know? And I also don't want to like bring any more hurt on her and her family. I want her to be better. I want her to wake up. And I've heard by the way that she has, which is great. Yeah. That's, Um, that's what I was sort of hoping. I was hoping that like, cause I don't know anything other than I just remember her as a sweet girl. And I hope that I just kept hoping I was wrong or people were wrong and I just don't know how it happened. So continue. Sorry. You know what, what I remember is from that first Jeunesse training and I'd met her casually through our group of friends, um, you know, at a bar, like at a party, super outgoing, great dancer. I remember thinking like her style was really great. Great singer. Great singer, really friendly, very, um, I liked how like she was very touchy, you know, lots of hugs. <laughs> um, and I really liked her a lot. And after that first training, I think because she was um, she wasn't working the next day. She she got on the plane and went back to Albany to meet Keith after two days. And I don't. Some people have said it was like the private jet. I don't know. So I don't. It's a rumor. It's a private jet or either way. She got on the plane, went back, met Keith, and that video footage that you see in the vow of them meeting at volleyball. Like I've never seen that. I didn't even know that footage existed. When I watched that two weeks ago, I was like, Holy shit. I mean. People don't didn't normally meet Keith until you'd had to take a minimum of 16 day. So the fact that they let, you know, 
Allison into that world and she felt probably very special to get special access to the Vanguard. I think it's all things that um, many of us that were, you know, were our actors like wanting to be, feel important, feel special, get attention. Um, I think she got all that. And, and, uh, and that was after two days. Yeah. She had, well, it was a three day training in Vancouver and she flew back and, and met him and, and, he, and I'm sure you, I don't know about you, but I got, I mean, I felt nauseous. I felt, got chills when I saw that video, like how he was looking at her and what he, yeah. what he said to her and how he was fucking with her mind and like bearing into her soul with his eyes. Like you could just see the whole history unfold from there. Um, but I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't go back. I, I missed all that. I, there's so much. I was like, I wish I'd like the behind the scenes that you're seeing in the vow. I'm like, I wish I'd known this was going on. I would have, there's no way I would have participated. Like all that stuff was behind closed doors. But um, wait a minute. But Mark knew all about that though. Well, he, he, he filmed he, all he that, right? There. Yeah. Mark was there filming, but the, the sexual stuff was kept from us. Like he, he knew that, that Keith was mentoring women. Um, and I knew he mentored people, but I didn't know what mentored meant. You know, like that, all that stuff came out after we left. I was told he was celibate. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to even think that I believe well, that. Well, didn't he have a wife at one point who died of cancer? Who? No, I thought Pam was his assistant. So it may, he made it like he was, he didn't have any women. That there was... He didn't need sex. He didn't need anything materialistic. Now, towards the end of my time there, after the indoctrination about that he sort of implanted about polyamory, I thought, is he with Pam? Maybe he is. Eh, it's none of my business. But in my early years, I was like, Keith is a celibate monk. That's how he painted himself. So seeing Oof. that footage, I know. It's, I, know, it's, I it's, didn't it's know hard. that you didn't know that. So going back and looking at all that, now, now rewinding the vow on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> now you watch that thinking, wow, Sarah didn't know about it. If she would have known about that, you probably would have been like, I'm, I'm the fuck out. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, here's what I know now. He mentored women to work through their issues by having a sexual relationship with them. And that included taking, this is even before DOS, these women had vowed to be with him for the rest of their lives and not to be with anyone else. And that was kept a secret. And they were told to keep it a secret because we wouldn't understand. People were too, um, had too many issues around sex and they just wouldn't get it. Who knew about this then at that point, besides Nancy? Nancy knew about it. Um, Lauren knew about it. Um, I mean, it, it seems like from doing the math or somewhere, somewhere between 12 and 20 women that he was with, that he was mentoring. and uh, Sleeping with, you know, mentoring yeah. through sex. Yeah, and the way it was presented to women was, I'm going to help you work your issues and your intimacy issues, um, and we're going to be, you know, and I'll be with you, but I am with other women. And some of the women didn't even know about the other women. Like Barbara Boucher at first didn't know about the other right. women that she freaked out and then, you know, had her whole thing about it. So some people didn't know and some people knew. And that's one of the things I was so pissed off about when I left and why I was so vocal. I was like, you know, if you want to have a polyamorous little farm up in Albany, go for it. But if you're saying you're doing this other thing and you're not going to put it on your website, it's a fucking lie. And here I am like going out and vouching. And, and by the way, what you said at the beginning of our conversation, you would have signed up. If I'd met you... 2010, I totally would have signed you up. You would have loved it. You would have loved the five day. You would have been all on board and you would have gotten great tools from it. And then to find out that I'm like, I'm vouching. I'm, I'm a salesperson and like going out in the world and saying, Keith is the most noble humanitarian, blah, 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 guy. 
and he's doing this with all those women. It was like a massive head fuck for me. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you've you've changed your whole life, given everything you had. Your whole life is upside everything. down. Everything to someone who you really believe in and in, innately is a, you know, a good, helpful person as to what you know to what you mm-hmm. know at the time. But it just feels like, I mean, that's got to be the worst feeling to find out. I mean, your whole world, I mean, it's just crashing down on you. And like you were wrong knowing that you're like, oh, gosh, that, that's the hardest part. And I think like, we'll talk about DOS for a second. DOS is the. Wait, wait. Before we Yeah, yeah. Because we, we joked about back and forth on email about like how I take Ativan on Sunday nights after the vow. One of the other reasons I went to ESP was for, was for anxiety, okay? I have an, I've had anxiety since probably my parents split up, different levels of it. I have trouble sleeping. So do I. So do I. Right. Yes, I know, right. So you, you probably dabbled, in, and mostly I do CBD oil and stuff like that. But anyway, when this happened, I had such a huge PTSD, basically like months and months of the worst anxiety I've ever had in my life because my whole world was suddenly, you know, turned upside down. And not only that, like, to know that I was pushing something, peddling something that was, I thought was one thing. Not only was it the, the opposite, it was so bad, so bad. I was just like, you know, uh, and I still have p- panic attacks and P- PTSD reactions when certain things happen or I see things on the vow and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what, what is my life? But yes, Doss, you wanted to ask about Doss. I mean, by the way, does Mark who, you know, it's all his footage. He's, he had been shooting us. He was hired by Keith to just give sort of a, you know, backstory and, and, and sort of film everything, uh, the history of this whole organization. And that, if you look back, you could look at it now and say, oh, well, that's like, look at that. I want, it's, you know, look how self-indulgent I want it to be filmed. I want you to film me all the time. And, um, it's, I'm surprised, like sometimes if, by filming some of that stuff and watching the looks, I'm like, cause Mark does seem like such a great guy that Mark wouldn't be like, this is fucking creepy, dude. Look how he's looking at someone. I mean, there's definitely yeah. some of that. I mean, look, hindsight is 2020, and I'm sure there's some things he overlooked because he's like, this is the most, you know, because I remember he got emotional when he talked to Keith. He thought he was just a genius. He was like the, one of the smartest people in the world. He was like, this guy has a, 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 some insight that I'll never have and some enlightenment and all these things, and I'm, I'm buying it and help me. And wow, this is amazing that I'm just going to overlook that creepy fucking look he just gave. I'm sure there was a, I'm sure I can't speak for him, but I'm sure he did. I mean, we, there's a lot of red flags we all overlooked because we just couldn't handle, like when you're so invested at a certain point, like there are things that I saw that I was like, I remember visiting, um, visiting somebody else, just leave her name out of it, hoping that she wakes up. But I visited somebody um, who'd moved there and I was like, can we get together? And she was like, I can't, I need to be accessible for Keith. I need to be ready for Keith. And I was like, Ready for what? She's like, oh, we're doing some projects. And you know when you get a hit that people are sleeping together? You just, like, get that, like, oh, they're fucking, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I had that. And then I was like, no, he's, like, the teacher that's so inappropriate. And also, she was in her early 20s, and he was, like, almost 50. So it's like I had the thought, and then I was like, it's impossible. I also didn't find him attractive. So I was like, she wouldn't (laughs) do that. right? Right. And he wouldn't do that because it wasn't right. You know, there's a certain code yeah. of ethics as a therapist. You don't sleep with your clients. Right. But you were kind of overlooking things that you might not have overlooked because of just like the situation you were in. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and a belief, you know, 
That makes sense. It makes sense. All of us underestimated their capacity to lie to us. Well, not only that, if like, you know, your best friend in the world, you know him inside out and he's the best. And you're like, you know, I, this guy would do anything. I trust him with anything. And then you find out that he just killed someone. You're like, no, there's no fucking way. Dude, that dude, I've known him. He wouldn't kill someone. I know. Well, do you remember when he had that knife and he was like, you know, I want to fucking, ah, but he was kidding. Was he kidding? Holy fuck. Maybe he wasn't kidding. Look, Doss, you didn't, when did you know about Doss? How many years in? And when did you, the first time you heard about Doss? Oh, just a few months before I left. And that was through Bonnie? Oh, Oh, we have an awake baby. We're getting into the the, the very end here. Yeah. Yeah, so I I found out in January and I left in June. So it was really the beginning of the end for me and my time there. Oh, honey bunny. Can the baby be in the podcast? Is that going to be distracting? I'll be right there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I, I got so caught up in it, but yes, I want to just get so it. Many, there's so honestly, like there's so much to unpack with this. Right. And, I, and, and by the way, one thing I, one moment I did want to mention when you asked about my arc with Allison and what did I notice? We got married in 2010 and I invited Allison to the wedding. And um, I remember her saying, I have got to check with Keith very casually. Let me check. I got to ask Keith. And I was like, are you seven? Is he your daddy? I don't understand. Like I didn't, and I even said that, like, what, what do you mean you have to check with Keith? And she's like, well, I've been, I make really impulsive decisions. And I told Keith, I would check with him before I leave town. And that, that was a, a red flag for sure. I just didn't, couldn't make sense of that. Like, okay, so Keith's mentoring her. She can't, you know, doesn't want to, mm. wants to make less impulsive decisions. So there were things like that over, over time that I, clocked but she just got more and more committed she was more committed than i was i mean she was she was living there she she gave up her home in in um vancouver she was living where she was living did she have her own place in albany Albany. right she had her own place in albany her own place but keith also lived there in albany oh no five minutes five minutes oh the monkey oh i know i'm sorry he's like really not he's really mad at me is nippy mad ace Ace is 18 months and he's, he likes to cuddle after his nap. Anyway, daddy's got him. He's okay. All right. Look, so DOS stands for uh, Dominus Obsequious Sororium. Yeah. That's what that is. And so this is something you found out. And, and, and again, I mean, how do you get caught up in this? How does this happen? What's the step that this just. It's so complicated, and partly because I hate talking about it, and also because the baby's up. Well, well, look, <laughs> like, you, right? You could look. You could watch the vow. Watch the vow, and, and or read fig- the book. Like, there's so many steps that happen of how I got hooked into it, and how they manipulate, particularly Lauren, how she manipulated me and leveraged her trust with me to commit to something that I never would have committed to. But ultimately, it's the thing that everyone's heard about in the news, the branding. Right. It's the, the branding. It's the branding, branding that sort of. Yeah, and I just like for my own self wellness, I have to totally not talk about that because it's just too triggering but ultimately it's what woke me up not in the moment but weeks later when i figured out the the symbol was not what they told me it was actually the initials of we still don't know for sure if it was allison mack on purpose but am and kr for keith ranieri i mean that set me off like you know the thing i was telling about earlier where i was pissed off about the straight path like that was one thing when I figured that out, at the same time, Mark and I were finally having, you know, conversations about what was going on and why he was leaving. And he knew certain things. At this point, he knew about the sex and I knew about the branding. And we talked and shared what we both knew. It's it's what, you know, it's what woke us up. We're like, oh, you know, we right. are in a cult. We I are mean, in a cult. We I, actually are in a cult. Right. I guess, you know, when you hear about people sort of like, uh, 
you know, the, the manipulation of like, hey, you're going to have to give uh, something in return collateral. You're going to have to get, take a nude picture of yourself. You're going to have to do this in order to, because, and I guess in your mind, you're thinking, well, if this is such a secret and no one's going to know about it, I'm never going to tell anybody if they have to do something to trust. So you kind of buy into that whole thing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also the person inviting me was somebody I would have, you know, she was our, my son's, our first son's godmother. She was my maid of honor. Okay. We're done. Okay. He's, he's going to join us. For join the last us. Minute. Join us. Look how cute you are. Look how cute you are. You're a good boy. You're a handsome little fella, aren't you? That's right. So let me just ask you. I mean, you, I mean, when you got home and Nippy and he finds about this stuff, you see it in the documentary, which you guys could watch. But it probably was hell for a bit, right? It was hell, but he, you know, he got it. It was there was never a like, you know, how could you have done this? You know, he he. You have to understand that all so many years in ESP, we were there was so much bad press. And we always thought it's a smear campaign. It's a smear campaign. Keith is good. Nobody understands. All of a sudden, we understand that we were wrong. And, you know, if you really want to know who Keith is, you just Google him. And all that time, we thought those things were lies. And I'm like, okay, we're out. And it was kind of a relief. You know, it was like all these things that we were struggling with with the company and trying to make it work. And it was like, you know, do you think Sashes and Vanguard is ever going to fly like in a training? Really? Like, we were trying to change those things because really, you're right. The tools on the outside and part of the curriculum was great. But a lot of that stuff was just such bullshit and it was so hard to make it fly. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, we can just move on now and get back to our lives. I mean, but it's got to be the hardest thing to all of a sudden say, this is what this is. I got to go tell my parents what this is. Uh, Nippy's got to tell his parents, your friends and like, hey, yeah. you know, sometimes it's like that sort of that you know, admitting that you were wrong, but of course you, hindsight is 20, you can't, you, you can't know you're wrong. You feel, you know, you're thinking that this is going to help you and it's got so many, you know, good things about it. And then it turns out to be like, we talked about in the beginning, a horror movie. Yeah. And then you're like, how do I we get out? A lot of time, in fact, I'm still running into people going, I'm sorry. And you were right. Um, but yeah, the first conversations with my family were, were pretty heartbreaking, but they were so, so accepting and not, you no, know, no, that's too loud, babe. I'm going to get Nippy on here. Wasn't Why don't you take over for a few Nippy, minutes? I'll talk to Nippy. Us. No, no. Ada's too loud, but come join us. My Nippy, why don't you sit here for a minute? Yeah. Yeah, bring your coffee over here. And <laughs> it's a family affair, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it was really, it was, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm still having those conversations, and I'm still, he's coming, um, apologizing and making amends. Um but in in some ways, it was a re relief to go, uh, you know, oh my God, I was I was wrong, and but all these things now made sense that I had never been able to wrap my head around. But the people who remain loyal, I mean, they're they've they've never been able to take a bite out of that shit sandwich, for lack of a better word. You know, they're they're still walking around going, oh my gosh, Nip, Nip, <laughs> are you shaving? What are you doing? Hey, what, what's going on there? Oh, he's doing two shots. Two shots. Yeah, we have an espresso. Oh, I think that's not like alcohol. I was like, you're taking two shots yeah. in the day, Nip. Two quick shots of tequila. Okay, ask me one more question while I stall for, stall for Nippy. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd have to say if, if you were one-on-one -on -one with Keith Raniere right now in a room, what would you say to him? Hmm. Well, here, come on over here, babe. Here you go. Here's hey, Nippy. How you doing, bud? Good to see you, man. Um, my, my answer to that probably would have changed over the past couple of years, I think. 
you know, when I was still really angry three years ago, I would have said, you know, torn, torn him a new one. And <clears throat> said, you know, you messed with the wrong person. I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? And how dare you? But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like in the forgiveness and not in the sense of like, he still needs to go to jail, but like just for my own sanity, not to hold that anymore. Right. Um, and to let that go and just be like, you know, I hope his, he's got a dark soul. I mean, he, he did some bad things to people and I just, you know, I hope he can. I don't know. I, Nippy, what about you? I'd like to know, Nippy. I, I have a feeling he might have a different interpretation. What Nippy, what would you say to Keith Raniere? Would they have to put you in? Will they have to restrain you? Would I don't they, think there's much I could say to him that would uh, change him um, or anything. But I'm dying to find out if he's a real judo champion. <laughs> a real judo champion? Like, you know, he says he's a judo champion, and that was his. It was on his I don't kind of want to kick the tires on that. How long do I have with him? I have about right. I mean, if you had like five, ten minutes to go, let's see how strong you are. Yeah, let's, let's right. Let's kick here. I mean, look, you, you guys, for, for a lot, would you say a lot of this before all this stuff went to hell and you found out the horrors of it all? Did you say you were pretty happy, you were in it to win it, you kind of felt like this was helping humanity and this is a good thing for the most part? Yeah, that was the delusion. That was the lie. I mean, that's what, you know, that, that, the whole thing in getting out was just reconciling that's what we were never doing. I mean, we were helping people. Like, that. there was tangible evidence we were doing that. But the whole thing that we were going to somehow get involved in I'll let you take other hierarchies, other structures, and help them, anything that got close to that um, always had some, what seemed like arbitrary excuse for not happening. Um, for example, there were many people that tried to get it into certain universities, Harvard Business School, Tuck, Dartmouth, and there was always something that happened that prevented uh, other people's connections to really getting these good ideas, which I've kind of found are mostly regurgitated and just honed, and you can get them anywhere. I mean, um, I think the cool part about it was just people coming together and helping each other was it's always positive. You don't have to make it your life. And anything that was um, going to translate to something bigger was just never going to happen because I think he knew on some level, if you get someone in here with standards and practices that have been tried and tested, his modality would be exposed for stolen, fraudulent, and his real intent would be exposed. So he knew that, and he knew that um, in order to get to maintain his lie, he had to prevent people from coming in and doing that. Right. Sarah, I hear that patting very loudly, but, but you have oh, to do it. You I'm have so to, sorry. you have to pat the kid. It's fine. Just yeah. pat Thank him you stop patting. more gently for God's sakes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But <laughs> Nippy, I mean, you're a good looking guy. You know, you're a quarterback. Ivy league school. You're a smart guy. I've heard you on the value. You're very articulate. I mean, so some people would say, and it's a good example. Cause it's like, well, this guy got into it. Why would he get into it? I mean, if he can get into it, certainly a more feeble-minded person can get into it, somebody who's more vulnerable. What was it that you... Dalai Lama got conned. I mean, take all that off of me. The Dalai Lama got conned, and he was supporting, and he wrote a forward for the guy's book. So I think ultimately what happened is the people around him... Um, you look, Have you ever read that book, um, Sapiens? I haven't read it. Real quick. He just basically talks about one of the things that made us go from hunter and gatherers to social beings is that we had a common myth that we all believed in and it, it goes to banking systems governments and all that stuff united states of america the myth of america as right. you come here and you actualize your dreams and all that 
there was a myth everyone was enrolled into and that Keith was um, doing good things and wasn't you know, this idea. I mean, I'm watching The Vow now and I'm seeing how he's treating people. He was rude to people. I mean, one of the things that's oh, yeah. most shocking to me is how disgusting a human being he was to other people. I never saw that. I never saw him behave that way. So yeah. the myth was cultivated pretty well if you weren't in his direct orbit. And Sarah and I were peripheral. And when we came to t- came to Albany, took a training or, or, or did whatever, you know, went to an event or something like that, the myth seemed intact. Right. And as long as the myth seemed intact, um, it seemed like we were doing something good. <clears throat> so when we go out and, and hear these things about Keith or whatever, come back and ask people that we were lied to. We were flat out lied to people by that we trusted that were in our lives for 10 right. years and didn't, didn't think they were, uh, they would do that. Well, we underestimated that. You know, the uh, one thing that was baffling to me is sort of like, and again, I'm not there, but like, you know, those nine women on the board, it's nine women and Keith, right? And those nine women left. And you'd think that right when you hear that, nine women left the whole thing, that you think everybody would be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Something's fucked. How did he manipulate that? So some of the nine women, it was really about three. And that were high rank. Yeah, they're high rank. Um, and I think those were the three that he had to discredit because they were going to take some people with him. So it looked like those three took their friends with him. But the three that really got discredited, and really Barb Boucher and Susan Dones, yeah. the two people that were in the last episode, um, they had been working on making them crazy to the organization for quite some time because I think Keith, well, Keith was sleeping with one of them, so he knew how to do that. Right. And what made our exit different from theirs is ours was abrupt. We didn't try to. Our, we didn't try and we didn't have a try. I wasn't going to have an intellectual debate about the merits of branding someone's body to teach them growth and character. That wasn't something I was even remotely interested. It was there wasn't there wasn't a pause in that. I was out. Right. And I told Sarah she had come back with as much as a, a scrape on her arm. I would have been in there with the same reaction. Like, that's not what we're doing here. Um, so to answer your question about them, they had been made crazy to the organization. And quite literally, when you do that to someone, what was done to Barb Boucher, which none of us had any idea, she kind of did go a little bit crazy. She had all her wealth taken. She challenged him and was made crazy, was gaslit and all those things. Mm-hmm. So we didn't the, trust her. Yeah, the emergent property of someone who's <laughs> been through that kind of trauma, they look a little crazy. So when we went to... And I'm not, I'm not saying Barbara Shea's crazy at all. I'm saying that she had been through the ringer and you were experiencing someone who had been through the ringer and had some trauma going, unbeknownst to us. And we were going to Nancy, Lauren, and the people around her, and they were saying that she came in, tried to take over the org, you know. So, you know, I think, you know, if we're guilty, if I'm guilty of something, is I didn't go investigate that responsibly enough, but I also didn't think to investigate it uh, right. that much. Did you guys I've, talk to Allison after the branding? Did you ever ask her, hey, is this your signature, your 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 letters, your initials? They were shunning us at that point. Yeah, I mean, we knew we were the bad guys. But listen, my whole thing is when this happened, um, I didn't really have a strong impulse to tell my side of the story. I mean, so, to tell my side of the story, I knew time would tell it. And I knew if there was ever any sort of investigation or whatever goes on and the cards are on the table, they were going to be way closer to who we were saying they were than vice versa. Um, 
and that they were clearly in the wrong. In the wrong. Um, uh, as for Allison, I didn't. I don't remember if I had any communication with her. I sent some texts that were like WTF. Maybe. Like what? What did you do to my wife? Sort of thing. On here, and then I sent some to some other people, and then I kind of felt. You know, I knew the the wheels of their litigation was they go in motion. I think it's in the vow too. I think pretty much when the New York Times article came out, I knew that they were going to be on the heels. I and mean, this is this is my impression of what goes on behind the scenes. I don't really know. I'm not close to it. And we got a little bit of a crash course in how litigation, FBI works, and and all that stuff. But I actually did simple Google searches, you know, and I, and I found out once he got investigated, once they open up an FBI investigation gets opened up, you can go to the website and there's a fucking flow chart. <laughs> and it basically goes, if these things hit these things, like, you know, if you're going to get evidence and your evidence is corroborated, there's a point where like, if it gets to a certain point, 80% of the time you're screwed. If the FBI is going to take their time. and So you knew it was coming to an end. Yeah. Time and, to go. And the fact that they don't know if the FBI is knocking on your door. You know what I mean? Most right. people right. watch basic cop shows. You know, watch, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, if the FBI is knocking on your door, something's up. And they doubled down. Well, they thought they were being fire, noble. Yeah. I just was like, this is going to be, you know, for, for me, it was vindication. My, I got my wife and kid as, out of there as quickly as possible. When the New York Times did that and then they opened it, I felt like, okay, I think we're safe. Like, I think I say it in the vows, like, there's not much they can do to us. Like, they're, they're done. And, like, it's not in our hands anymore. Right. And so they can't attack our character and our process anymore. They now have to attack the media's process. And the loyalists that are still there are now attacking the government's process by demanding an affidavit. So it's never refute the points of convicted felon on seven counts and a jury of his peers um, in under four hours <clears throat> by the best domestic police task force in human history, right? I mean, maybe the Romans had one back in the day that was pretty good, but we don't know about that, right? <laughs> right. Um, and the onus is on you now, and you can go fix the FBI's process and the government's process in a legal, pro you know, it's just, right. they're never refuting content. They're Do you always, think Keith's going to get life? I think so. And I who, mean, if Claire Brofman got 81 months and he's trying to have his trial outside of the court when he said nothing in court and he's doing all this stuff to get his loyalists to go do stuff, I think he's insulting the court. He's insulting the judge. And the judge sent a message to Claire Bronfman. Why wouldn't he send it to him and anyone else who has those kinds of ideas? And who else? Who else do you think is going to go to prison? Um, well, I know that Lauren and Nancy are going to go to prison. I don't know that they're going to go for as long. I think they're contrite. I think they're still reconciling from what I understand what they've done. And I think, listen, listen, it's hard. Like when reconciling your delusion, eating your humble pie is a hard thing. Um, you know, it, and, and I don't know what they've done. I don't have any intel as to, um, um, what, how they've done it. I think they're contrite. Lauren's testimony put the nail in the coffin for Keith in a lot of ways. Um, I understand. And if they truly are contrite and the judge sees that, I think he's going to give them the minimum and, and hopes that they do well. I, listen, I I'm not at a point where I'm angry at anyone um, anymore. Um, but the delineation I have is if you knew me 
and you knew that I knew what you knew about Keith and you kept it from me, that means you lied to keep me loyal to something that wasn't true. And that's my life. You fucked with my life and you knew you did and you knew that what I stand for isn't what he stands (sighs) for and I wouldn't have been on board with it. That just makes me really uncomfortable, just that feeling. That that's yeah. how you guys were yeah, operating. And, and, and you know, I, I happen to know that Lauren had been had a sexual relationship with, with him since 2001. That was the year I did my first training. You know, and then in 2003, I left because I didn't think Vanguard sashes and bowing was going to catch on. Um, I should have listened to that. Um, and uh, so that to me is where, like, I, I can forgive you and hope for the best, but we're not, we're not going to have coffee and talk no. about. Hey, this, this, you know, I'm only going to ask one of these questions from my, uh, my patrons. I just felt like this one question, this could go for both of you. When you go about your, this is from Maisha, when you go about your everyday life, do you still hear the voices of your coach, Lauren or Keith telling how to, you to, how to act or how to be, uh, how do you combat them to, or combat? I said combat. You can say combat, can't you? Uh, to maintain your peace of mind as a victim of abuse. You know, she says, I have moments like that that still trigger me. I don't. I don't know if the questions necessarily that applicable. Uh, I guess their teachings and what they taught you. Do you still are there some that are sort of embedded okay. in you? I, I think what, what I hear them asking is how do you how do you discern the good from the bad and and yeah. Um, look, the good you can get anywhere else. I think a lot of the stuff is repackaged in in a lot of places. Um, the thing that the immediate road I went down when this was over was figuring out the con. And I think what happens is, is when you're exploring your own belief system, they can suggest things to you. And depending on, and I think it's case by case, depending on how susceptible you are to suggestion is how indoctrinated you become. Uh Um, There's a book about it um, called Take Back Your Life. And I think the woman, Yanni Lalich, goes into eight specific things that people fall for. The one that resonated the most with me was called moral injury, uh, meaning that there were some principles you thought you were upholding, um, and you found out that the principles were the hook to get you loyal to something. So to put it in maybe um, context for some people, I think she puts this in context in her book. Um, Think of a soldier who's going over thinking he's fighting for peace. And the next thing you know, he's pulling women and children out of a hut and he's, you know, in in a compromising situation where he's doing something in war that isn't congruent with peace. That, that I think is a lot of things that soldiers reconcile where they're all the time. Yeah. They signed up for something. It's not that thing. And they recognize the reason they got signed up, they got conned. And and the hard part for me was like, okay, I can make a mistake. I can pivot on the mistake. But to think that I led people down that path and I rose through a hierarchy, brought in over 150 people, you know, to something. And I now had to go, I had to go face them and also destroy something I'd worked really, really hard to build is also difficult. Um, yeah. Well, dude, I, th- I really appreciate you. Uh, I know you weren't intending to get on here but i love that you did because i really like like listening to you know on the on the uh, documentary and you're just such a supportive husband and like look after sarah does get branded i you know i mean as a husband you're probably like well, you can hear it you're you're not happy about it but you're more unhappy with these these people i was primal i had all the impulses oh yeah 
you know, and I just decided, look, I'm not going to handle my problems with violence. I think everyone loses, but it was a close second. <laughs> were you honestly thinking about, I'm, I got to go there now and I got to handle this I guy. had a moment when we were, um, we were planning kind of our escape. escape. We had about four or five days to do it. And I knew that there was volleyball going on. I never, I, re, I went to volleyball once a year. Like I just, I just wasn't my thing. And, and, and you know, I, I, we didn't live near there. I had to drive 30 minutes to go there. Um, partly because I didn't want people checking in on me. And I like to watch football on Sunday, smoke a doob and drink a beer. And I didn't want someone coming by and bothering me. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. We weren't really supposed to do that. Um, <laughs> but I, you thought at that moment you were going to stop by the volleyball court, didn't you? So well, I get off the phone with Mark. And I'm like, fuck this. And I, and I, and you know, you know how when the lights are on in your apartment and it's dark outside and I look over and I catch myself it's okay. in my reflection in the mirror and I look and I'm like, there was the moment where I felt everything come up. If you commit to this, this could be bad news, bad. And I caught myself and ultimately, you know, I don't think I'm that kind of person to, to handle my problems that way. I think everyone loses. And another thing stopping me too is I was probably gonna have to hit a couple people on the way out. <laughs> probably trying to stop him, right? Well, I was like, I was like, I was like, I can I'm gonna have to hit him, him, ah. Right. You know, I was after one guy. I went after, you know, three or four. Well, I'm glad you didn't do that. I had my but... escape plan, I had it all planned. Yeah. I mean, did you ever like talk to Sarah? Obviously, she doesn't like talking about it. it's probably in the in the book. It's not like it's a secret because she's you guys are pretty much open books, but like I can't, I'm like a, I'm a puss. I can't even imagine being branding. That that has to be the worst pain ever, right? That's a question for Sarah. I haven't been branded. Worst pain ever. Worst pain ever with the brand. Yeah, I mean, she says so. Uh, it, it's it was a, it's a cute. Um, I, it's up there with childbirth. You know, it's very very. It's the most sensitive area of your body, and there's no anesthetic. And how long does that last? Like the, when they put something on you like that, is it like a, like five seconds? Uh, well, they drew each line with the cauterizing iron, which is basically slicing open your flesh. So, like, zzz, sorry, babe. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, per line, and then he, she stopped and like oh, read something, God. some sort of scripture that I don't remember what it was because it was totally disassociated out of my body. That's just, it's just incredible. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I, my theory is that it was him trying to do it. What I've learned about since, sorry about the noise. Sorry. Called trauma, trauma bonding. So like some of the women that remain are the women that were branded together and they feel really close because they got through this traumatic situation together. So um, I think that's what he was trying to do, like to really help people stay loyal forever is to have that experience that they could. Well, yeah, well, listen, uh, Nippy, Sarah, I mean, I got to say this, but I'm, I'm so appreciative for you guys being so forthcoming and so open and like because this happens a lot of places and it's unfortunate that it couldn't have been one of those things that was just good like you guys innately thought and it could have been something great and there had to be this dark twist and this horror aspect of it all and i'm just you know i'm truly sorry but i'm also truly grateful that you opened up and you could educate people and your book scarred that just came out sarah is like talk about she even gets deeper trust me and uh, Nippy, just for you guys to open up about it, it's going to help people out there because a lot of people are vulnerable and they suffer from anxiety and depression, all these things, and they look for a place to go and some kind of acceptance. And that's not the only reason they go, but, you know, it's a shame that this all happened. And I'm just glad that you're because some people could just say, I don't want to be involved. I want to be I'm sure you fought that and thought, I don't want to be a part of this. And to just tell the world your secret, it, it probably gets that, you know, 
what do you call that? You know, the, uh, that, that monster off your back, you know, that uh, yeah, gorilla right. off your back, that feeling of like, you know, you, you gotta, there's gotta be some peace that comes with that. It's definitely what we've needed to do to turn this negative into, oh honey, come here, buddy. Come here. Come here, buddy. Come here. Beep, beep. Yes. It's a beep, beep. <laughs> Turning the negative into a positive. Um, and since we have it's been, been our public, mantra. Yeah. Like, okay, thank you. Michael, thank you. Thanks, Nippy. Thanks so much, man. Nice meeting you. Just to, just to comment on that, there's been a lot of people since being public reaching out saying, I'm in this group. It sounds just like what you're describing in the vow. How do I get out? How do I expose it? Uh, or I know somebody in a group like this. How do I get out? How do I expose it? These things exist. A lot of them exist, more than people know. Yeah. And a lot of people are bound to these things and don't know how to get out. And hopefully this, bye, babe. I'll see you later. Okay, to the park. Um, yeah, it's just what we got to do now. It's like, you know, even the, even the playing field. Yeah. Well, I commend you. I do. And it's like, you know, it, it was hard. It was just like, I always, people always ask me about Allison. I was just like, I just always knew her as this great girl. I didn't really know her other than she was just a really terrific girl and a great actress. And I just liked working with her and it was so sad. And, you know, I just, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I really, I believe that, you know, something happened where she just wasn't herself, you she know, was gone. Yeah, she was gone. Actually, like since that's our common friend, um, among other few others, but you know, it makes me really sad what he did to her. And I, I really hope that she has woken up and I hope that she's somebody I would see again and have coffee and talk about the time we were, we were in that cult. Yeah, yeah, I would. And all these women that, you know, suffered and all these people that suffered, yeah. it's just, it's, it's tragic. And I'm not saying, you know, you can't say, Oh, poor Allison. You have to say poor everybody. Cause there was no yeah, winner in this. Everybody around Keith to a degree, even though they did illegal things are victims Yeah. To him. Nobody signed up for this. None no. of us signed up for what they ended up doing and including Allison. And I, I just wish her all the best and her family all the best. So it's, you know, it's a tragic, awful thing. And I appreciate you taking time to shine light on it. Yeah. Thank you. By the way, my podcast is usually an hour, an hour into 20. And I just was so into this that I, I'm sorry I went over. I know it's about an hour and 40 minutes and I'm like, good Lord, I'm, but I was so into it. So thank you so much for opening up and all my love and keep in touch and good luck with the family and everything. Awesome. And the book, Thanks. Scarred. Scarred. Okay. I'm escaping Nexium, the cult that found my life. But I'm out. I'm out. Didn't buy my life. You're Here out. I am. Uh, exactly. All right, lady. Definitely keep in touch. You got it. Good luck with your anxiety. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on we it. We can share We can share secrets. We can. What works and what doesn't work. Yeah. You have dark Don't secrets. join a cult. I'm not going to join a cult. I, you know, it's funny that so many years ago, I remember going, sounds like a cult kid, just kidding. Like, I'm sure it's not. And then going, I mean, because whoever goes into a cult, no one gets into a cult because it's, they think it's a cult. They get into it because they think it's just great. And that's how it all begins. That's how it works. All right. All my love. Go take care of that little crying baby. (laughs) Well, take care. Well, if that wasn't intense, Ryan, I don't know what was. That was a rough one. Yeah, sometimes I don't. I don't even know what to ask anymore. Like I asked, does branding hurt? <laughs> Ultimately, that's what I, I just because I kept thinking, oh my gosh. I mean, I could never. And, and you could tell Sarah didn't want to get into it because I mean, it's a, it's a very emotional thing and it's a personal thing. And you probably read her book, and I'm sure she'll get into it. But it is tragic, man. It's tragic because you. I think we all look for something or someone, something to have faith in, mm-hmm. and when that lets us down. It's just, it's devastating. It's like, oh, this is good for me. You know, this, uh, I learned meditation and this is great and this is helping me. And then uh, next thing you know, you find out your instructor's a 
psychopath or something. It just, I think we just like look for answers and, um, you know, could, could you have done, could this have happened to you? Honestly, honestly, I don't, I couldn't say, um, I mean, I've been lucky enough to surround myself with decent people who aren't uh, crazy. Well, you're I would like to think, right you know what? I would like to think I wouldn't, but you know, who the fuck knows? Yeah. I like to think that there's a possibility that I would have in the beginning if I was like, you know, I'm kind of lost. And I do, I felt lost. I still feel lost at times. I mean, I knew then not to, not to do it. But I, who's to say that if someone that I really respected mm -hmm. and kind of like, not idolized, but somebody that I really, for instance, my friend Tom or my friend Ethan, who are great guys, smart, mm -hmm. if they got into something like that. And I was like, really? And like, dude, I'm sure they could probably talk me into it because I just trust them. I think they're great guys and they have good hearts. And then you're into it and then you're in five sessions, 10 sessions and then you're starting to reprogram your brain and you don't know you're being mind fucked. And you're being programmed to not trust your gut. That was right. the scariest part. That's the scariest part. Could you imagine? Oh, just fucked, man. It is. Ah, anyway. Uh, thank you to everybody who's listening. Remember to subscribe and email all your friends and do whatever you can to keep the podcast rocking. Thanks to Westwood One. Thanks to Ryan here who edits the episodes. This guy right here. To Bryce, who busts his ass inside out and does everything. Um, to Westwood One, to uh, all my patrons. Uh, we just had an in, uh, a live in Instagram. We haven't done that in a while, and it was fun. And thanks for the new members of Patron, Patreon to join. And uh, I'm going to name them off now, the, the, uh, the top tiers. And uh, a lot of good stuff coming your way. And remember the Inside of You online store, wine glasses, shirts, hats, uh, sweatshirts, uh, fuck, mugs, autograph mugs if you want them. All right, here we go. This is the patron. Thanks for listening again, by the way. If you don't want to listen to this, you can fast forward, but don't if you really want to hear your name. Nancy D, Mary B, Leah S, Trisha, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Angelina G, Robin S, Jerry W, Emily K, Bob B, Robert I, Jason W, Stephen J, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj C, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Hamza, Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Jennifer S. You know, we're going to play a little game, Ryan. After oh. I'm done with this, I'm not going to say the game yet. I'm going to tell you after. after. Oh, fun. Janelle B. Carrie B. Tab of the 272, not to be confused with. Tab of the 273. Kimberly E. Crystal H. Mike E. Marissa. N. That's correct. Naniarello. <laughs> Ramira. Beth B. Santiago M. Sarah F. Chad W. Leanne. P. Correct. Roshan, of course. Ray A. Maya. P. Yeah. Megan. Megan. Oh, uh, F? Nope, J, close. Maddie S, Tiffany I, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Margie M, Thomas T, Matt W, Belinda N, Benjamin R, Lisa J, Kevin V, Robert S, James R, Chris H, Snow R, Sean V, Anusha W, Ashbjorn, Ashbjorn, I believe, H, Ashbjorn H, Dave H, Sheila G, and another new member, Jacob H. All right. Now, can you name 10 of these patrons I just Ten? said? <clears throat> um, all right. There's Maya P. Uh, Lisa J. Correct. Kendrick F. 
Osbjorn, Hamza, Hamza B, uh, Bob S. That one? Uh, yeah. Uh, there's Bob B. Bob B. Well, you don't get Bob B. Right, Take fine. Bob B right, off. Well, I don't get Bob B then. Um, Should I give you a hint? Uh, Tab of the two seventy two. Yes. Uh, Yukiko. Yes. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> oh no. no, no. Oh, Rachin. Rachin. Yes. Um. Oh, Raj. Raj. And uh, Kevin V. No. No. Nope. Kevin V is correct. Kevin V is correct. Look at that. <laughs> That's a fun game, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you guys, I can't, I can't uh, say thank you enough to you guys out there. Um, I say it all the time, and um, I, I just love doing this. And I hope you stay with me as long as I'm doing it. I couldn't do it without you. Thanks to all the patrons. Thanks to all the listeners. Please subscribe. Please tell everybody you emailing and making people uh, subscribe and listen truly helps. Keep doing it. Uh, um, keep fighting the good fight, man. Just keep. Hanging in there, man, because we're gonna get we're we're I feel like there's a light. I do. I feel yeah. like there's a light. We got the election coming on. And and by the way, I will say one thing, and this isn't directed at anybody. I love all of you. But I will say if I ever I don't get political, but if I ever say things like I wear a mask or I do this, these are things that aren't political. These are things I just say. I I I I, I whatever you believe is your belief. Your beliefs. I don't I'm not going to judge you. Don't judge me. If I say something that you think, well, you, you mean you, you hope. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really talk politics. I, I just don't do it. But if I see something that I just feel like is ridiculous, I, I acknowledge it. And if you don't agree with it, well, we move on. We just move on. So um, I'll just say that. Uh, thank you all for allowing me to be inside of you today. And... Um, can't wait to talk to you again. And uh, I do sometimes, in fact, I just me message a lot of people on the Patreon. If you haven't joined Patreon, check it out. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash inside of you or inside. And uh, it's a whole family. And uh, there's a lot of great things that you, you get, merch and Zooms and just a bunch of shit. Just check it out. All right. Much love. Thanks, Ryan. Want to say goodbye? Bye. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.